0: Like once you figure out that it's all right there for you, you can do anything. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of like sometimes a competition with myself. Like how much can I do? How much can I keep going? And it's really fun. But at the same time, it's just like the world is here for me. So I might as well use it, I
1: guess. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you to Tracksmith for sponsoring this episode. Tracksmith just released their spring collection, and as a season shift yet again, I'm proud to continue this partnership with them tracksmith is a brand for committed runners like you and me people who know that the best part of a busy day is squeezing in a workout they offer products for training racing and rest days which you know i'm a fan of and create experiences that make running more rewarding more connected and more meaningful visit tracksmith.com for the long run to see some of my favorite pieces and all orders with the code for the long run all one word We'll receive free shipping, and 5% of your purchase amount will be donated to the Michael J. Fox Foundation to help find a cure and support those living with Parkinson's. This episode is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder has the slickest shades around for only $25 and $35. They don't slip or bounce, and they stay on my face way better than more expensive sunglasses do. If you'd like to support me and the show, treat yourself to a pair or two or three of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com and get 15% off your entire order with the code FTLR. That's 15% off at Gooder.com, code FTLR. Your face will thank you. Welcome back. I have Holly Prue joining me on the podcast today from Fort Collins, I believe. Uh, Holly, thanks so much for taking some time to chat.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure and I'm super excited about it.
1: Likewise. So you mentioned you've listened to just about every podcast that I put out. So what's the answer to the first question? (laughs)
0: who is Holly (laughs) there we go I asked it for you so as long as I got that right um I've thought this one through a little bit but it's a little weird right now because I'm in transition normally the answer the first answer I would have would be student but um right now I'm in between being a student and having a full-time job so I guess on the other side of things I'm just a super curious adventurous learner um and I'm very motivated and driven I would say
1: and you dabble in running a little bit too, right?
0: I dabble in running a little bit, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so how long have you lived in Fort Collins?
0: So I grew up in New Hampshire, um, so East Coaster, um, just like you, which is awesome. I loved living up there. Um, so I grew up there since I was three years old, lived there, went to college at University of New Hampshire, and then I didn't really want to go to college there just because it was, you know, 15 minutes from my hometown So I was really excited that once I graduated, I got my bachelor's in environmental engineering. Then I got to head out to Fort Collins. So I've been here since June.
1: Very cool. So how does the intersection of environmental engineering and your love for the outdoors play out?
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a funny question because actually in high school, you know, senior year, you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I had done a four-year engineering like intro to engineering program where we did all sorts of engineering. Um, so there's like mechanical engineering, computer engineering, this and that. I knew I didn't want to do any of that. Um, and then the idea of environmental engineering came up, and I was like, you know what? I'm super passionate about the environment and sustainability, so went for that. And it ended up being kind of like you said, a perfect intersection. Like whenever I'm outside, I think about all you know. We learn about river flows and impacts on river contamination and where drinking water comes from and I'll just be like on a little term and I'm like, I know where that river is going to or whatever. So yeah.
1: Very cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun intersection when you can, um, yeah, it's a fun intersection. I So I went solar recently and yeah. the, um, the sales guy I was working with at Freedom Solar happened to be a former uh, Spartan pro. And, cool. and so I was like, you know, Sandy, I think you've got a, you got an interesting audience here. And he's like, let me tell you who else could be more interested in solar than, um, the way he described it was people who are motivated to get up off the couch and do something mm-hmm. and people who love the environment. And so it's like a really interesting group of people. And out here in Boulder, I right. know so many people that work in environmental efforts or they work in sustainable engineering mm-hmm. or like any of these things that, you feel like you have you ha- you can actually do something it's not like you right. know, okay um, you know the the icebergs are melting so I'm gonna recycle this can like it right. feels a little <laughs> small and insignificant Definitely. Um, but things like that seem a little more substantial and it's it's cool to to see that you're a part of that as well
0: yeah I love being a part of it and learning to just you know those everyday things that you talk about how, how can I really make an impact? And what's really the problem? And what are we doing about it as a bigger society? And I love being able to be a part of that, because I am so connected with the environment, you know, in my daily life, that to not be a part of it would honestly just feel wrong. So <laughs> what
1: are your what are your aspirations in, in that department?
0: I don't quite know yet. That's something I'm trying to figure out. So I actually started a grad program at Colorado State University, which is what brought me out here. Um, I was working with Glacial meltwater, um, essentially. And I thought that would be the right choice, but I actually decided after finishing my semester very successfully that I need to get some more experience working in the field before I go to grad school. So I've just started working at a lab that deals with contaminated groundwater and just trying to, you know, work to figure out what it is that I love. I definitely with my experience so far, absolutely love field work. Um, Cause it, it just creates such a better picture of what's actually going on to be able to be hands-on dealing with um, whatever it is that we're kind of analyzing after the fact. So I definitely am hoping to get some sort of job that involves
1: field work. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and hopefully some of that involves actually being outside in this beautiful environment exactly. that we have <laughs> literally in the field. Yep. Um, So given it's a running podcast, let's talk running. Um, Do you remember your first run?
0: So this is also a funny question. Um, I didn't grow up running at all. Um, I grew up as a dancer. So my sport did not involve any running. Like, you know, some soccer players transition to running because there's running in soccer, but I didn't have any running experience. And I remember my senior year of high school, I was super inspired by my friends that I had on the cross country team. And I was like, I want to be able to run like them. So I would try on my road to run. There was like a, a landmark, I guess it was just a box that sold newspapers that was three quarters of the mile down the road from my house. And I would try so hard to run all the way to it and back. And I couldn't do it. I had to stop and walk every time. So that was kind of like me starting to try to run. But then the first actual consecutive run that I can remember was my sophomore year of college. My friend Lauren, who is an amazing woman and runner, she was like, Holly, you can do this. We're going to go on a four mile run together. So we went on a four mile run and that was the farthest I had ever run consecutively. And she kind of channeled my interest from there. She was like, if you can run four miles, you can definitely run six miles. And so that week I went out and I at the time I had like map my run. I had the app, so I recorded my run and I sent it to her and I was like, look, Lauren, I ran six miles. Um and then from there she was like, okay, if you can run six, you can definitely run a half marathon. I was like, ooh, I don't know. Okay, maybe I can. So I signed up for one and I was, you know, I found a random training plan online. Um, and did it, and kind of from there, it's taken off. Um, yeah. So my first so run was a four four mile run my sophomore year of college.
1: <laughs> you started with with mailbox fartlicks and progressed to yeah. four and six. Um, yeah. Do you remember the feeling of that first four miler?
0: Yeah, I remember. So we, we did a loop and we got back to the place where we had started and it was like 3.8 miles. She was like, we have to get to four. You can do this. So we ran, you know, a 10th of a mile down the road. I was like, I don't think I could do this. And, but we did it and we got back. Um, and I was super proud. I just, yeah, no one had really shown me that I was capable of that. And I think it took having someone externally to show me, that I can do it and kind of be with me by my side. Um, and that that's all it took. And then from there, I was like, I felt super capable. I was like, I I can do more. If I can do that first thing that I didn't think I could do, I can do another thing that I don't think I can do and so on.
1: And so you train with a team now, right?
0: Not with a team actually. Um, so I do a lot of solo runs, um, you know, up in Fort Collins, there are some clubs, um, and I, I sometimes join them in their runs, my um, friends that I run with. And I recently um, got a running coach who is coached by your same coach, um, Bailey. And so that's kind of my first step into actual training. I've been training on my own since sophomore year of college, but felt that, you know, I'm capable of a lot doing that, but I think I'd be capable of a lot more if I had a coach. So I started with Bailey about three weeks ago.
1: Cool. Yeah. How did you get connected with Bailey?
0: Honestly, I just keep up with all you running people so often be a podcast, Instagram, whatever. Like I listen to the Swap every time a Swap podcast comes out, I'm like, oh, I need to listen to this. So, um, I I think I just came across her and was like, "Whoa, she's super badass." And um found out that she coaches and she's also, you know, relatively local to me. She lives in Boulder, so yeah, so I reached out to her and she had some spots available. So and it's been awesome working with her so
1: far. She's great. Very cool. We um we shared a the same space of a run uh, a few weeks ago, maybe last week.
0: I saw that um, on your show. Yeah, you don't know.
1: <laughs> she was flying. Um, of course, <laughs> and it was it was it was cool to see. Um, the reason I asked if you were with the team because it it sounds like there are some. So there are some people that like thrive solo. And there are some Mm -hmm. people that thrive in this, like not accountability, but like group atmosphere. And it sounds like you're very much the latter. Yeah. There's some good running up in Fort Collins, right?
0: Oh yeah. There's tons of trails that are super fun. And the good thing is that while I love the snow, we don't get enough. Well, so far it doesn't seem like we get enough that it, you know, disturbs the trail running. So I've been able to get out on the trails even during the winter and half the time in shorts and a t-shirt because the sun is so strong up here. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's 50 out right now. And I'm sitting here with the sun beating down. I mean, I'm like, this is lovely. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm used to like the new England winters like you are where it's just like like frigid
0: Mm -hmm. 30 degrees here versus 30 degrees in new England is completely different. (laughs)
1: That was the first thing I noticed. I, so I spent two months in Breckenridge to start my Colorado adventure last year. And yep. I was running in like shorts and a t-shirt in Breckenridge. And I was like, this, I could, I could be shirtless in 30 degrees, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. which was bizarre.
0: Totally. Yep. I agree. It's, I feel like so far I've just been like waiting for winter, you know, here in Colorado. I'm like, okay, it's, it's going to get cold eventually. Right. I don't, I, I don't think it is.
1: <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it was cold last week, but it didn't last yeah, very long. Right. Um, yeah. So, you've been running for a bit now. You've progressed from, again, the fart lick, the mailbox fart licks to the yep. four and sixes. <laughs> um, what are you excited about for, for your future in running?
0: I'm super excited about everything in my future running. I think I have <laughs> a lot of potential. Um, so, this past I guess I should start by saying so. I, growing up in New Hampshire, was never exposed to outdoor adventures or running or any of that. You know, my family just didn't do that stuff. But I was very intrigued by it. I remember knowing that the White Mountains in New Hampshire existed and longing to go there. But obviously, you know, with without having connections to get there and not having the license, I wasn't able to. But as soon as I got my license, I started driving up to the mountains and I would go on big hikes and I just felt like I was my best self when I was up in the mountains. And so then once I started running, I, um, I think it allowed me to, well, I felt really connected with myself as well as nature. Um, a lot of it, I experienced like a pretty big tragedy in my life. Um, when I was 17, my father took his own life. And so honestly, I just felt like I needed to escape from, the environment that I was living in and find who I was. And I felt like being in the mountains, they were so vast. This is like so cliche, but they were so vast. And I would just look out and there would be, you know, thousands of trees. And I would look and be like, I'm seeing thousands of trees right now. And they look so small. But then thinking like of myself on the ground, standing next to a tree, I feel so small. So it just put it into perspective. Like I'm just this tiny little dot, you know, within this vast beautiful world. And it, I think it gave me a better perspective on, yeah, just the world and how massive and amazing it is.
1: (laughs) Have you listened to a lot of Alexi Pappas's words and poems and haikus about feeling small in nature and feeling like connected in Mm -hmm. nature?
0: I love her. Yeah. I came across her book earlier this year and it was one of those books that I just couldn't put down. Like every moment I got, I was reading it and it, you know, it just reminded me that there are other people out there like me who have, I don't know, found themselves through tragedy, um, and trauma. And it is like, you know, a really, not the route you want to take to find yourself, but it helps a lot. Like, I don't think I would be as adventurous and curious as I am if it weren't for that happening. Um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so yeah, that was kind of the beginning and, I didn't have like a formal introduction to running or the mountains. But once I realized they could be combined, I was like, whoa, I need to get in on this. And I started trail running and it's been my favorite thing. Like, it's just, it's so empowering, Um, you know, to go to a trail once and not even be able to run up, I don't know, whatever incline there is. And then the next time you go back, you're like, okay, I got this. And you just progress in such an incredible way.
1: You used a word that I think is incredibly powerful, um, curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a – so episode 200 of this podcast was with David, mm-hmm. and we talked about how like almost nothing matters besides having like this curious or curiosity mm-hmm. um, when it comes to running. And it's, it's less about what you can do and more about like yeah. where where does your brain take you? Where does your mind yeah. take you? Where do your feet take you? And right. like, how do you use that as a vehicle to improve as a human?
0: Totally. Yeah. And that's been something like, you know, I didn't get into exploring kind of the bigger names within running and trail running until recently. And now that I have, I think it's driven my curiosity further than it ever was in the past because it's like, whoa, if these people can do this, what can I do? And, you know, so this past October, I ran my first 50 miler, having not even run a marathon before. Um and it was amazing, and you know, I think that's kind of why I reached out to Bailey. Was like, okay, if I can run a fifty miler without having a coach and without having formal training, you know, trying my best, finding what I can online, like, what am I capable of if I build a community around this thing that I found that I love so much?
1: Was the fifty miler just to figure out if you could, or was it there? Like, why? Why? Why did you yeah. do it? <laughs>
0: So honestly, I was running with my friend, Lizzie, who lives down in Boulder and her roommate had purchased, you know, or paid for the run, the race, but then she couldn't make it. So they just had this spot lying around and she asked if I wanted to do it. I can't remember how far out it was. It was, I think July and the race was in October. Um, So I had a little bit of time to train. Um, And yeah, I was like, sure. Why not? And decided that I'd start training for it. You know, I have been running consistently anyways, but decided that I'd really vamp it up. And I was doing long weekend runs and it was, you know, getting into fall. So it was a perfect time to be training. But yeah, my only goal was to finish. I didn't care how I finished. I didn't care how fast, if I ran the whole time. Um, I just told myself that if I'm consistent, I'll be able to finish. And I did.
1: What I find to be so fascinating is you've basically like taken this approach of... Um, so I, like, I get to talk to a lot of elite athletes and the approach that you've taken is basically the summary of what has allowed them to be successful. It's not, it's like total, totally process oriented versus Mm -hmm. outcome focused. And maybe it's because I'm going to toot my own horn here. Maybe it's because you've listened to every episode of the podcast that you're there. Um, (laughs) but I'm curious, (laughs) I'm, I'm curious, like how, how have you like already gotten to this level of understanding or acceptance of where you're at as a runner yeah hmm
0: i think i honestly do think that i've learned you know because of i guess my older teenage years because of what happened i think i've learned that you can become whoever you want as long as you really want it and as long as you like the tools are out there the resources are out there you just need to seek them out and you need to be brave and like go out there and listen to 200, however many podcasts from you and listen to all 100 podcasts from the swap team and, you know, find whatever advice is there because it's out there. Um, And I think the problem with some people is that they don't seek what's out there or they haven't been introduced to the right way to find what's available to them. It's like, once you figure out that it's all right there for you, you can do anything. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of like, sometimes a competition with myself, like how much can I do? How much can I keep going? And it's really fun. But at the same time, it's just like, the world is here for me. So I might as well use it, I guess.
1: How do you balance that? Like, I can do anything with, should I do everything?
0: That's a really good question. And I definitely, (laughs) yeah. Um, Wow. I get stuck with that sometimes. It's like, I sometimes wear myself out because I don't want to limit myself and I do want to pursue everything I possibly can. And I've, you know, struggled with that in the past. Like, okay, there's 30 things that I want to do today, but I only have time for 10. And it definitely, I don't know, it would get to me sometimes that I can't do everything. But I think recently I've been trying to figure out my priorities a little more like, okay, what do I absolutely want to do? Where do my goals actually lie? And that helps like, projecting out where I want to be helps so that I don't get overwhelmed trying to do everything. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The reason I ask is like this, I struggle with this as well. Um, an ideal, an ideal weekend day for me is long run, uh, lounge around and eat for 45 minutes, take a shower, um, (laughs) like go for a hike, uh, come home, take a nap and like go out to a brewery for like until dinner time and then eat dinner right. and like go to sleep at 8 p.m. And Do like as much as he possibly
0: can. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Like fit it all in. Like my, my yeah. dream days are like entirely spent outside uh, with good people, you know, and good dogs and all that stuff.
0: Yes. Totally. Um,
1: so I'm like constantly grappling with that same challenge, which is why like I sensed that it, it was this, it was something similar for you. So it was interesting to mm-hmm. hear, hear your answer there.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing is that I try really hard not to waste time. Like time is something that's precious to me. And I mean, as it is for most people, but I think a lot of people allow themselves to waste a lot of time without even realizing it. But when you are aware of what time you have, um, you know, and kind of plan it out, there's a lot more time than you think. Um, if you don't waste not that I think sometimes you need to waste time. Sometimes you need to lounge around and sometimes you need to kick back and just scroll on Instagram or whatever it is that you want to do. But, um, like minimizing that time. Like, you know, I have the time limit on my Instagram cause I'm like, it's valuable to a degree, but then I don't need to be doing that for more than however many minutes a day. So.
1: Yeah. I think it's all about the um, priorities and understanding like where, where that all fits in. I, I'm constantly in awe of my friends who have kids and like yes. are able to do it all. Like I was I running with,
0: something I can't understand you. I'm not there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I was running with a friend this weekend. Um, and she was like, yeah, it's really hard. I like go for this two hour run and then I come home and like there, I have two kids and right. it's just go, go, go. And I'm like, okay, I go for a two hour run and I'm like a waste of space for the next three hours how how do you do this and i'm guessing a lot of people listening are like rolling their eyes at at this part of the conversation when they're like if (laughs) they only knew but right um, one of these days we will (laughs) exactly but um either way it's i think it comes down to like your like forced efficiency right um Mm -hmm. i used to have a coworker who was an ironman athlete and Mm -hmm. um She she was in a relationship as well, but didn't have kids or whatever. And Mm -hmm. she would talk a lot about like not having time to do anything. And my manager at the time was a CEO of the company, had four kids and a wife and obviously is a CEO and volunteers and is religious. So he has that as well. And he's like, you know what? You just figure it out. Like you don't, everything is scheduled and what's a priority becomes a priority And what's not doesn't happen.
0: Right. Yeah. I found for sure that I always, you know, I get pretty stressed sometimes about, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to get everything that I want to get done, done. But truly at the end of the day, everything that I need to get done gets done.
1: Especially sleep. That that all starts there.
0: Seriously. And that's something I didn't learn until college was that, oh, sleeping eight hours a day actually changes things.
1: (laughs) It's something I didn't learn until my late 30s, late 20s.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. No one, I think it's becoming more of a talked about thing. Like you need to sleep and properly fuel if you want to be successful in any way. Um, But growing up, it was like, you know, get home. I would get home from dance at nine o'clock and then I'd still have four hours of homework to do. And then I'd have to be on the bus the next morning at six in the morning. I was like, how did you do that? And then I kind of looking back, I was like, You know, I was kind of spacey throughout high school. Like I always did well, but I would be very sleepy all the time. And now I'm like, I feel like I'm very focused and I am aware of what's going on um, all the time. And I'm like, I sleep and eat now. Wow, amazing. Go figure.
1: (laughs) Thanks again to Tracksmith for supporting the podcast. I'm proud to partner with Tracksmith and they're going to donate 5% of your order value to the Michael J. Fox Foundation for all orders. And you'll also get free shipping. The Michael J. Fox Foundation is dedicated to finding a cure and helping those living with Parkinson's. Both of my grandfathers have or had Parkinson's and I'm grateful for Tracksmith's support for something so personal. Visit tracksmith.com slash for the long run to see some of my favorite pieces and all orders with the code for the long run will contribute towards this donation. I have been loving their Harrier long sleeve and Olson half tights in particular. Thanks again to Gooder for supporting this episode. I have a few different styles of shades, and I've been loving them on runs or while at the pool. At 25 bucks a pop, you can leave a pair in your car so that you'll never be without some shades. You can feel good about your purchase too, as 1% of Gooder's annual gross sales, nonprofits, go directly to environmental nonprofits working towards making our world a better place. If you'd like to support me in the show, treat yourself to a pair or two or three, of gooders and head over to gooder.com and get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off at G O O D R.com with the code F T L R. Your face will thank you. So when, when did you run that 50 miler? That was last year.
0: That was in October. Yeah.
1: So what's, what's on the schedule? What's on the roadmap for you or trail map for you this year? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Good correction with the trail map. Yeah. So my biggest goals. Um, so my first big goal is to run a 50K and actually be able to race it. Because, you know, like I said, with my 50 miler, my only goal was to finish. Um, I remember so it was a lap, it was the bear chase race over in Lakewood. And I remember there were four laps, and by the third lap, that was 50k. And I felt like I could totally race that. Um, so that's my first goal is to run a 50 K and actually feel like I'm racing and not just surviving. And then another huge goal of mine, which I know you saw I posted about, I didn't tell anyone until this past week, but I am going out for the Colorado trail FKT um, this summer date exactly to be determined. Um, but Sonika Myers has the record for Denver to Durango on the Eastern route. And my goal is to do Durango to Denver on the Western route. So her record is nine days. There's no record for the one I'm doing right now, but there is a record for Denver to Durango on the Western route. So the reverse direction, and that's 14 days. Um, my goal is 11 days, so about 45 miles a day.
1: And what will it take for that to be a success?
0: Um, as we were just talking about how much sleep is necessary, um, minimal sleep <laughs> will be necessary. Um, proper fuel will be necessary, um, which is definitely something I want to talk about after we're done with this. Is like I've learned a little bit more about fueling and it changes the game massively. Um, proper fuel. Um, I think some grit is necessary. Like, you know, I'm going into it thinking this is going to be the most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, and that's okay. It's going to be hard and reminding myself that I can do anything I think is going to be the key and being consistent. Um, yeah, last year, so I hiked the Colorado trail last year and it was a little more leisurely. And, you know, we would, every time we crossed a cold Creek, we'd take our shoes off and put our feet in the water for two minutes or five minutes and little things like that really do change the game just to like, get your feet out of your shoes Get them nice and cold. Um, so just small things like that too. Like taking care of myself, even though I'm going for this kind of crazy endeavor.
1: So it's day one. The clock hasn't started yet. You're standing. Yep. You said you're going Durango to Denver? Yes. You're standing in Durango. You've just listened to some lovely bluegrass.
0: <laughs>
1: what What are you thinking about?
0: Ooh. Probably what snack I'm going to eat next. <laughs> <laughs> like what's my first snack going to be? Because <laughs> that's so important and I know that. Um, or just, I don't know if you know like the trails over in the San Juans very well, but over by Mollis Pass and Stony Pass, they're just the most beautiful, beautiful trails. They're very green. It almost looks like a European film, like, you know, looking out on the countryside of Ireland or something. The rolling green mountains and hills with wildflowers covering them just getting to there, which is like, you know, the first, first chunk, I guess, like I get to hike through this beautiful area. And I think just reminding myself how lucky I am, like I get to do this helps a lot.
1: The San Juans are insanely gorgeous. It's like, yeah, fake. I've, been, I've spent some time in Ure. Um, oh, yeah. And I paced, I paced a friend at the URA 100 this past year and right, those mountains are challenging, but like yeah. talk about feeling small, mm-hmm. very easy to feel small in those, in those mountains. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned gratitude there and like you get to do this. So is yeah. gratitude an intentional practice for you?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Like it comes naturally to me really easily And then I also intentionally practice it um, because, you know, of course, like everyone, I do get down on myself or my situation often enough. And I do remind myself, like, I'm so lucky to be where I am and have all the opportunities I have and have this body that enables me to do so much and explore so many places. Because there's a lot of people out there that either don't know what they're capable of, haven't been shown what they're capable of, or don't have the same opportunities. And yeah, so I definitely have a journal that I write in. And I try to do it daily. It ends up being more like every two or three days, but I definitely write down just little things. Like, I don't know, even, you know, I got to go for a run today or yeah, if I'm out on the trails and my run is kind of feeling crappy for a little bit, I'll remind myself, just have fun with it and it helps. And then the bad feeling goes away before I can even remember that I was feeling bad in the first place. So
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely powerful. Uh, It's one thing to like be able to practice it and talk about practicing it. It's another for it to work when you're, you know, 300 miles into a 400 mile (laughs) endeavor.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) Um, What do you think the version of yourself that was fart licking the mailboxes back in the day would think about the version of yourself that's Setting off to run the Colorado Trail in eleven days—that's
0: a funny question. Yeah, I think you know I would be like, "Who is that? She's crazy." Because <laughs> back in those days, I thought people who ran marathons were crazy. Never mind people who ran ultra marathons in the mountains. Um, so yeah, but I think I'd be really proud of myself. I think I'm. I think I'm becoming someone that I didn't ever expect I would be able to become, which. I guess is kind of an amazing feeling. And I think, yeah.
1: What does that mean?
0: Like I was definitely, I think I grew up in a family that settled a lot. Like people hated their jobs and were okay with it. And people didn't try to find what the world had to offer all the time. Um, And so I guess I'm just experiencing possibilities that I didn't even know were there because I just thought Oh I guess people are just unhappy in life and I guess people just hate their jobs but you know going to college and having a bunch of role models and all that really introduced me to the fact that you can be so much more and so yeah I think if I was little me looking at big me now I would be surprised and proud and
1: it's so wild that people just accept this and they 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 don't I mean stasis is is so easy but it's also mm-hmm. so hard.
0: Right. Yeah, I think once I realized the possibilities, that's when it came like it became more difficult to just settle. I'm I won't settle anymore. I'm I'm like I need to find the best situation for myself and do the best things for myself and be the best that I can be. Yeah, I think I think the problem is that people just don't even realize what they're missing.
1: What was the final straw that pushed you over the edge to be like, nope, not for me. Never again. I
0: think, yeah, I think it was honestly my dad passing away. Like I remember it was so hard, you know, I was 17. I had one more year of high school and I remember thinking I could, you know, and this is, you know, I wouldn't expect anyone else to have this approach because everyone handles everything differently. But I remember thinking, okay, there are two options here. I can rise above or I can fall down and that's kind of how I saw it. I was, I was like, I have to rise above because if I allow this to tear me down, I'm going to end up in a really bad spot. Um, and so that was kind of, I would remind myself every day, like dad would want me to be doing this. Dad would want me to do the best I can. He will want me to find the most for myself. And so that, I think that was really my push was it made me realize how fast you can, you know, lose what you thought was your life and, yeah. And just to pursue everything that you can while you're still here, because I don't know, not to be like morbid or anything, but you know, you don't, you just never know. And yeah, life is amazing and you should pursue it.
1: (laughs) Is grief something you still grapple with?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, for a while, I kind of just shut it out. Um, I pushed through and powered through and shut it out, but over the years, like learning more about myself and who I am, I've gotten to go to therapy and have come across, you know, lots of people to talk to about it. And usually I'd say at this point, it's not that hard anymore. Um, But for a while, it was really hard. And you know, I would go through the stages and then fall back and then go through the stages again, and then fall back and do it all again. So it it depends, I think, Um, you know, it depends what's going on in my life. I noticed during school, I'm more stressed. And so it feels harder. But I think it'll always be here, but there are ways to deal with it, which I've been turning into positive experiences. So like trail running.
1: (laughs) What are some of the takeaways, if any, from Bravey that, that helped Alexi's book?
0: Yeah. Um, I loved that there was someone else out there, which I bet there's millions of people out there, but someone else out there who found fuel from trauma, I guess. Um, Cause I, you know, a lot of people I think have looked at me and said like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this. You're so crazy or strong or this or that. But it was kind of nice to have, like it felt like I could relate to a lot of what Alexi was saying and a lot of, um, you know, it'll always be there. And it's just, it's going to feel harder for you sometimes, but you can still be that person who you want to be. And you can still do everything you want to do. You just need to be aware that it's going to be harder sometimes. Um, but finding, I think, finding the positivity in your situation was a big thing that I took out of her book, which I had already been doing, but it was nice, I guess, yeah, to have someone who's such a role model and inspiration in the world.
1: <laughs> what parts of yourself or part of yourself are you most proud of? I mean, I don't mean that physically, I mean that mentally.
0: Yeah, I think one thing, um, I guess, not not choosing my situation like where I came from, not like how I said, everyone kind of just settles for a job they hate and stuff. I'm really proud that I was able to find other options and find what I do love. And I think, you know, that can't go without saying that so many teachers and role models helped me find that, you know, like I'd look at a teacher and be like, Oh my gosh, well, she's really happy and she's loving what she's doing. So maybe I could do that too. And, um, even my dance teacher growing up, she was like the kindest, just most caring person. And I would, I'm proud of myself for being able to learn from people who aren't necessarily like the sole person that are supposed to instruct you on how to be a person. Um, Yeah. For being such a learner. And then something else um, that I'm recently proud of that I definitely wanted to talk about was like learning to be happy with who I am. Um, I think growing up, you know, my mom like wouldn't eat certain foods because they were bad for you and she wouldn't eat carbs. And she always thought she was overweight, even though she's like, you know, five, three and 130 pounds. Like she's very normal, um, normal size. Um, but she would always think she was overweight. So I think that rubbed off of me, um, my whole life growing up. But now that I'm kind of my own person and learning how I want to live, I figured out that I don't have to be like that. I can love myself. And, um, Yeah, I'm really proud of that because growing up, I never did. I never knew how. Yeah, I'm proud that I can finally do that.
1: How'd you get there?
0: Um, role models and reading and listening to podcasts and my boyfriend actually was a huge help. He was a D1 skier, Nordic skier, so he's like super athletic. Um, and he would be like, "Holly, you just need to eat. Like, you just need to be okay with eating. Food is fuel." Food is not a bad thing. Food isn't scary. Um, And that helped me a lot. Like the food is fuel thing helped me just to realize, yeah, like if I eat, then I can do so much more and I don't have to feel shameful about eating Um, and kind of changing the perspective on it. That helped me a lot. Yeah. I think just learning from people around me and kind of looking up to certain people and saying, I want to be like them because of this attribute that they have. And then figuring out what it is that I need to do to get there. That's the biggest thing.
1: It's so cool to hear. I mean, like you're the perfect example of like why media like this exists, right? Like a podcast is about connecting with another human and sharing what that person has learned with Mm -hmm. the people who are listening and hopefully Uh, having some ability to influence others in a positive way going forward. And it's like, yeah. personally, it's really fulfilling to like, even just hear you say that, not even specifically about the podcast, but about right. the medium itself that like, what other people are saying normalized feelings, whether mm-hmm. it's Alexi's book or whether it's the swap podcast, talking yeah. about how food can be fun and uh, right. enjoyable in the way that David talks about food and
0: mm-hmm. things like
1: that. It's just really cool to hear all of that.
0: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been a huge health podcast. Like you mentioned, I don't know, just, you've had so many people on your podcast from so many different backgrounds and having all that input, like, you know, I'll do it while I'm running or kayaking or whatever I'm doing at the time. Um, And being able to hear their perspective and how they've used their situations and found what works best for them. And then applying that to my situation, it's, yeah, I, I absolutely am so thankful for all of these podcasts for that reason. It's like getting to connect with these elite athletes or really inspirational people without actually knowing them. And it's super cool that we can do that.
1: For sure. Um, so I'm going to ask a question. You've probably heard me ask before, um, fast forward five to 10 years. What are you now? What are you really proud of?
0: Sure. Ooh. That's a tough one to predict for sure, but I'm hoping that I'll have a career that I love that has something to do with sustainability um, and water. So I'll be super proud of that. I think I'll be super proud of all of my athletic accomplishments and hopefully also the community that I've built for myself around that because that's something I'm really working on. Um, Yeah, and just being, I think, you know, even though I've said that I'm like growing into myself, I'm, you know, I'm only 23. So I think I'll continue to grow into myself. So I think I'll probably be proud of, you know, each day to day, things seem small, but compounded, it becomes large. And that's kind of something I've learned. And I think I'm excited to see what it all compounds to five years from now, when I've been working so hard each day.
1: Me too. You're very wise for a 23 year old. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, so I'm curious what uh, another question that I like to ask that I just started asking over and over again and like started noticing a bunch of trends. Mm -hmm. It's related to defining success. So I'm curious, given your experiences, given everything you've shared so far, what, what does success mean to you?
0: Yeah, this is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, I think doing as much as, as you can for yourself and others um it's success to me like you know we are all gifted with so many capabilities and attributes that we can share with others as well as use in the best way for ourselves um and i think i love when i can see someone who like has these attributes and is able to put them to work Um, as long as it's making them happy, you know, like not, not to a point where it's like, they're overwhelming themselves, but if they can put them to a good spot that either helps them do what they want to do or helps someone else along the way, I think, I think that's, that would be it for me.
1: Very cool. I think you're well on your way. Um, (laughs) Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us today. And, uh, let's, let's find that run sometime soon.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to have you show me around Boulder a little bit.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, where can we find you on social?
0: Sure. Yeah. So all of my handles, I guess Instagram is the one that I'm biggest on, but it's just my name. So Holly underscore Prue, which is actually P-R-O-U-L-X. A little confusing there.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Holly, thanks so much for taking some time to chat and uh, we'll see you out there.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much.
1: Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run, and in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village.